0: Thank you for joining the Element Church podcast, where we exist to guide people to experience life to its fullest, connect into meaningful relationships, and make a lasting impact. Wherever you're listening from today, we hope this message inspires and strengthens your faith. Last year, our world came to a standstill. Because of the coronavirus, everything was shut down, and collectively, Well, not really collectively, uh, separately at home by ourselves because social distancing and all that, but still, collectively, we came together to watch in fascination something that many of us couldn't believe, a man making decisions that to most of us seemed absolutely ludicrous. I mean, nobody in their right mind would be doing the things that he was doing, and yet no one really stopped him. And probably not all of us, but I'm betting a lot of us uh, just sat there watching and wondering what on earth is this man going to do next? The man I'm talking about is, of course, Joe Exotic, the star of the Netflix documentary Tiger King that I have to assume at least half of us in the room binged over like a weekend because we had nothing else to do while we were stuck at home. Did anyone else binge it in like two days, the entire thing of, there we go. Yep, I knew some of us would be honest today. Uh, Before I tell you guys why we're talking about Tiger King, which we're not, by the way, you don't have to worry about that. I do wanna introduce myself to you guys. My name is Brendan Anderson. I'm the student ministry pastor here at the church. Those are my students, (laughs) and I am a lover of documentaries, and I know that by kicking off today with Joe Exotic, we are probably nowhere near where any of you guys thought we would be today, but we are currently in week two of a sermon series called Unsung Heroes, looking at people in Scripture who most of us overlook. Last week, we told a fairy tale, and we talked about Jehoshaba and the incredible part of God's story she played in saving a prince from an evil queen, and this week, we are diving into a documentary and looking at two of Jesus' disciples that really no one ever talks about. We're going to look at Simon the Zealot and Matthew the Tax Collector. Now, before we get there, I think we need to define the titles of these heroes. There's actually some contention as to what Simon the Zealot's title even means. Whether he was just really passionate or really zealous about following religious law, or he was a member of a fanatical sect arising in Judea during the first century AD, which militantly opposed Roman government. And honestly, I'm not sure if it matters a ton because I think he could have been Both. I think he could be incredibly passionate about following religious law, while also passionate about overthrowing the Roman government. But alongside him, we have Matthew the tax collector, a man who, although he was Jewish, he went to work for the Roman government, extorting fellow Jewish people in order to take more wealth for himself and then give more wealth to the Romans. Simon and Matthew. Uh, had a lot in common, though, that we're going to see and talk about. One of the things, although they seem very opposite, one of the things that I think they were, had in common was that they were both passionate about politics. And they seem to be on separate ends of the political spectrum for their time. I mean, we have Simon who was so passionate about his Jewish people that he was associated with a rebellious group of Jewish people that were going to overthrow the government. And then you had Matthew who was actually working for the prosperity of that government that was oppressing his people. So what do we possibly learn from them today? <laughs> Well, before we jump into it, I need to make some things clear right at the top. So please hear me. Today is not going to be about politics. It's about pointing people to Jesus. It's not about liberalism. It's about true liberation. It's not going to be about conservatism, but it's about concerning ourselves with the gospel. And honestly, the gospel is political. Jesus's ministry was political. I mean, the crucifixion that we look to as the marking of us being saved was a political execution. Is it the same as the way we deal with politics today? No, not at all. It's not the same. But that doesn't mean we don't need to read and look at scripture to see what it has to say that influences our lives today. And I know people can become passionate about politics. People can be passionate about a lot of things. And I don't necessarily think that that is bad. But I think we can get into a lot of trouble if we let what we are passionate about be more important than what scripture calls us to. So whether you are passionate about something like Tiger King and binging Netflix, or you are passionate about politics and what is happening in our country, we have to be sure that our passions don't overtake the call that Jesus has put on our lives. Before we talk about our big idea and big question, would you guys join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for today. God, thank you for the opportunity we have to uh, come into a space together, collectively, to hear your word, to see what you had have to say to us. And God, I just pray that you would open our eyes to see, that you would uh, open our hearts to receive your word and what it has to say for our lives. And God, ultimately what I desire is today for you to draw each and every one of us closer and closer to you. God, we love you. Pray all this in your name. Amen. All right, our big idea for today is gonna be up on the screens if you would like to write it down and it is this, our passions are surpassed by Jesus's call to pursue. Our passions are surpassed by Jesus's call to pursue and so we need to ask this big question. Well, what are we called to pursue? What are we called to pursue? The main scripture is going to be the book of Matthew. We're going to jump in a couple of different places. So that's why it's not one singular verse. If you have your Bible, you can turn to Matthew now and just get prepped and ready. Uh, If you have your phone today, you can open up the YouVersion Bible app and follow along there. That might be the easiest way. Uh, But if you're here today and you don't own a Bible, please don't leave without one. We would love to give you your very own Bible. Stop out at the Next Steps wall out in the lobby and ask somebody for one. They would love to hand you a Bible that you can take home with you. The unsung heroes that we are talking about, like we said before, is Simon the Zealot and Matthew the tax collector. So what are we called to pursue? Now, the easy answer is Jesus. And let's just end the day on that. You guys can head out. Just kidding. But it's not wrong. The very first thing that we are ever to call to pursue is the man, Jesus Christ. I mean, our entire lives as Christians are spent pursuing him and becoming more like him. But today with all of you guys, since I have about 25 minutes left with you, I want to talk about people. What are we called to pursue? Number one is this, people similar to me. People similar to me. So I want us to keep in mind the genre of story that we are telling this week. Last week was the fairy tale, and this week is a documentary. So we need to find out who is Simon the Zealot. What do we know about him? What does Scripture say about him? And the problem is not much. Simon the Zealot appears four times in Scripture. Once in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. I don't know what John's beef was with Simon, but he left him out completely of his Gospel. And then we learn in Acts that Simon was present with the other disciples when Jesus ascended into heaven after the resurrection. So here is one of the most obscure disciples. I should have picked somebody easier like Peter. He was one of the 12 main disciples of Jesus, but he plays no particular role in the gospels and is only mentioned by name in the lists of the apostles, which we're going to read right now. Matthew chapter 10. Verses 2 through 4 says this, here are the names of the 12 apostles, or we would call them disciples. First, Simon, not our Simon, also called Peter, then Andrew, Peter's brother, James, son of Zebedee, John, James's brother, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed him. You know, most documentaries that you would get to watch or maybe read, you would get to know that person's entire life story, right? You'd get to know what they were like growing up, how they acted as a child. You'd hear stories about what they were passionate about and and what their careers looked like, what they eventually did with their lives. And we don't get any of that with Simon, but we do get this crucial detail in scripture, which is maybe the most important detail we need to know about him. And it's this, that Jesus calls him. Jesus calls him. And all of the disciples that were originally pursued by Jesus were similar to each other in a lot of ways. All of them were men, and this is not to discount the number of many women who were disciples of Jesus. We're talking just the original group of 12, which is actually a representation of the original 12 tribes of Israel. But these 12 men, they were all men. They were all Jewish. And in my opinion, the most important thing similar about them was their faith that tied them together as a group. Regardless of individual preference or how they lived that out, all of them came back to that common root. And that ultimately turned into a faith in Jesus. So I'll never tire about talking about this. I think I try to bring it up at least once every time I get the chance. We are desperately in need of community. These 12 disciples, they did life together for three years. Afterwards, they they all went in different directions, following Jesus' command to spread the gospel to every nation in the world. But I can't imagine that they didn't still love and care for and pray for and connect with each other every chance that they got. We read in places of the New Testament, these mentions to each of the disciples. I mean, we read about Paul in his letters asking the readers to say hi to this person or tell this person I'm thinking of them or this person that I can't wait to see them when I come into town. Peter and John, they write about the family of God, the connections that have been made by one another and how encouraged and built up they are by the other believers just knowing that they are praying for them. So pursuing people similar to us does not always mean that we are going to agree on every single detail of life. It doesn't always mean that we are going to have similar interests in hobbies. Sometimes pursuing people similar to us just means knowing that we are created for community, that we are in need of other Christians pouring into us in our faith. The hard part is literally everything about it. And I don't have it all figured out. I wish I did. I don't think the church has it all figured out, not just Element Church, like Big C Church. I don't think we know exactly what we should be doing because I think it looks different for everyone. I think everyone thinks that they want or need something different, and I can't tell you that I'm perfect at this. Sometimes I feel like I'm doing life really well with people, but we're not being discipled or growing in our faith as much as we should. And sometimes I feel like I'm discipling people really well, but I'm not actually sharing my life with them. And then there are some seasons where, man, everything is going great, but they're usually short and far between. So I can't give you a formula or a map as to what you have to do, but I think we all have to be doing something. Christianity was never about coming to church on a Sunday and then leaving and not seeing any of those people again until the following Sunday, if that. Here's what I do know. If your passions in life are keeping you from pursuing people similar to you in your faith, then your life passions are having a bigger influence on you than Jesus is. Simon the zealot, he didn't let his passions or ideas or wants for his country he was living in or about what was happening in the world around him today keep him from pursuing a life with these other guys, from having community. But people similar to me isn't all Jesus calls us to pursue. So our passions are surpassed by Jesus' call to pursue. And what are we called to pursue? People similar to me. And the number two is this, people different than me. People different than me. So this point in all documentaries, this is where they bring in the secondary character, usually the one that has some interaction to the main character. For Joe Exotic, it was Carol Baskin's. For us today, we get to talk about Matthew, the tax collector. So Matthew is also one of the 12 disciples of Jesus. He's traditionally known to have been the author of the gospel that we're reading in right now. And when Jesus called Matthew to follow him, he was a tax collector. One of the most reviled professions in Judaism. Like Simon, though, we know hardly anything about Matthew. Aside from a couple of handful of mentions in the Gospels and the fact that the church has long considered him the author of this Gospel, little else was ever recorded about him. He's honored as a martyr, but no one knows for sure how he died. Various accounts say he was beheaded, stoned, burned, or stabbed. One even suggests he died of natural causes like John, which I love this and it makes me laugh because it means that literally nobody has any idea what happened to Matthew, they're just like, throw everything we know in there and something has to be correct. (laughs) There are legends about his ministry, but literally no substantial records as to his role in the early church. One of the verses that give us at least a small insight into his life, though, is found in Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13 says this. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he said, Healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Then he added, this is my favorite, it's the best burn that Jesus has. Now, go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. Woo! Somebody call the fire department. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Man, you want to talk about people different than Jesus? Well, I need us to understand that tax collector back then was not just a profession, like, this was who you were. You were hated. You were despised. You were worse than a sellout because not only did you work for the Romans, but you had the power to lie to your fellow Jewish people about how much they owed in taxes, then you would get to pocket the difference while still giving the correct amount of money to the Romans. So this was not like a dislike career choice. Families disowned people who became tax collectors. It was synonymous with the word sinner. Like you're a tax collector, you're scum you are a sinner. The religious leaders would have thought Matthew to be irredeemable because of it. And I would bet that a lot of the disciples who were already following Jesus at the time that he calls Matthew, I bet they would have thought the same thing. Yet here is Jesus calling Matthew to come follow him, to be his disciple, not even hiding the fact that he knew what his profession was. Jesus didn't show up to Matthew's house and say, hey, come follow me. No, he waited until Matthew was working at his job so that everyone knew that my grace is good enough for a tax collector as well. Jesus knew ultimately that this tax collector would be one of the greatest evangelists of all time, writing down the life of Jesus for us to read today. Jesus never lets the different be a deterrent for his love. The beautiful thing about the gospel is it is literally for everyone. When Jesus calls us to live that out, it means loving and working and serving alongside people who can sometimes share completely different values than you, completely different ideologies, completely different backgrounds, but the same faith. Matthew, the tax collector, when originally called by Jesus to follow him, would have been living in complete opposition to what Jesus taught give to the poor, take care of the widows, man, just live generously. But his profession was the complete antithesis to that. To a lot of the disciples, I would have bet that this seemed impossible for Jesus to love Matthew the way that they knew Jesus loved them, because they weren't tax collectors. But at the same time, remember, our our main character in this documentary is Simon. And Simon the Zealot's presence among the 12 disciples, it shows us just as powerful of a picture of the gospel. Because Jesus' teachings, such as turn the other cheek, love your enemies as yourself, was basically the opposite ideology the Zealots embraced. They wanted whatever would be best for the Jewish people. They didn't care about everyone else. They didn't care who got hurt. They wanted war. They wanted to be feared. They wanted to demolish the government seated over them for the prosperity of their own people. But because of Jesus, these two men and ultimately all 12 of the disciples, they found a way not just to coexist, not just to show up and be nice to one another, but do life together and ministry together for years. The gospel is a is multicultural, multigenerational, and it brings together people from differing ideological backgrounds. But if you are living your life inside of a bubble, surrounded only by people who think the same as you, or act the same as you, or look the same as you, or vote the same as you, then you're not living out the gospel. You're not embracing the different, the way that Jesus did. Because our passions are surpassed by Jesus' call to pursue. So what does Jesus call us to pursue? People similar to me, people different than me. And number three is this, people far from me. People far from me. So here is the end of our documentary, okay? We got to talk about Simon and how Jesus wants us to pursue people similar to us, to have a community where we are pouring into one another. And then we got to bring in our secondary character, Matthew, discovering that different is not only accepted by Jesus, but I truly believe in most cases that different is sought out by Jesus. And now it's like the end credits of the documentary or the show or whatever it is you're watching where they do like those black and white real life pictures. And then the text pops up next to them of like, you know, blah, 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 went on to do this thing and then died at the ripe old age of la, 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 So that's what we get to do now as well with the characters of our story. Simon the Zealot is only mentioned four times in the Bible. Matthew has a total of seven three of which are the same exact verses um, in the Gospels, but they both appear in the book of Acts as well. Simon and Matthew, along with the other disciples, they were present with Jesus in the upper room before he ascended into heaven after the resurrection. So with all the disciples gathered, he gave this command Jesus did, found in Acts chapter one, verse eight says this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You see, Jesus had a really specific command that he left the disciples. Ultimately, I believe he left with us as well. Basically, they had lived three years with him. They had done ministry with him. They had learned from him and they had seen the miracle of Christianity, which is the resurrection. They're eyewitnesses to it. And so Jesus says, hey, you need to go and tell the world about it. Go be my ambassadors to those people. He needed them to travel and to find people who were far away to bring them into the family of God. So imagine these pictures are popping up on the screen. Okay, so... Peter, most people believe that Peter traveled to Antioch and established a community there. After that, he visited Corinth before heading to Rome and there he helped form the Christian community in Rome. Ultimately, he was martyred in the Circus of Nero around 64 AD in Rome. After Pentecost, which was the filling of the Holy Spirit uh, for all the disciples, after that, many traditions point to Andrew as the apostle to the Greeks. It's believed that he preached to Greek communities and was martyred at Patras on a cross in the shape of an X. It's held that James was the first apostle to be martyred. In the book of Acts, it reads that Herod the king laid violent hands upon some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. James's brother, John, then, he wrote the books of John that we have in Scripture and also the book of Revelation. And he's the only apostle not to have a martyr's death. The book of Revelation, he writes from an island in Greece, and he's known to have died of old age. In the years following Pentecost, Philip ministered to Greek-speaking communities. Little is known about his adventures, except for the fact that he was martyred around 80 AD. We don't know a ton regarding the work of Bartholomew, but various traditions have him preaching in a bunch of different areas, traveling around and sharing the gospel, and that he was martyred and his remains are currently at a church of St. Bartholomew in Rome. One of my favorites, the doubting disciple, Thomas. He's widely known for his missionary efforts in India. Scholars believe that St. James the Less, which I always feel bad for James because he's called the Less all the time and that just has to like hurt you on the inside a little bit. He wrote the book of James, which is awesome. He has a book in scripture. And he also remained in Jerusalem where he became the first bishop in the holy city of Jerusalem before being stoned to death. Jude preached the gospel in various places. He's revered by the Armenian church as the apostle to the Armenians, and he suffered martyrdom around 65 AD in Beirut, Lebanon. Our boy, Matthew, the tax collector, he's most well-known for his gospel. He preached to various communities in in, in the Mediterranean before his martyrdom in Ethiopia. And then Simon the Zealot is often depicted with Jude, and some believe they preach together as a team. This is due in part because the tradition states that they were both martyred in Beirut, Lebanon in the same year. Every single one of his disciples that did life with Jesus, who followed him and believed in him, they ended up going somewhere to bring more and more people into the faith. Simon the Zealot, he left Jerusalem. He preached in Egypt and Mesopotamia. He he gave up the city that he desired to liberate in order to help more people find true liberation in Jesus's name. One of the records we have depicting the work of Matthew and Simon, it's actually called The Golden Legend. And it records that Simon preached in Egypt, then he partnered with Jude, and this is what it says, that Jude preached first in Mesopotamia in Pontus, and Simon preached in Egypt. And this is my favorite line. From thence came they into Persia. They went to Persia. And found there two enchanters, Zeros and Arphexas, whom Saint Matthew had driven out of Ethiopia. So Matthew's still like in this weird connection with Simon as well. These men and women who believed in Jesus walked alongside him, learned from him, and then went out into the world and spread his message regardless of how much danger it was gonna bring them. They were missionaries to people far from away from them. But for us, this is what I want us to understand. I don't think that you need to go somewhere far from where you are physically in order to pursue what Jesus wants. I think people far from me can mean people who just have never gotten to know who Jesus really is. You see, Jesus never stops pursuing us. Even when we fall, even when we sin, even when we mess up, when we're broken and feel worthless and useless and like nothing we do is right, Jesus is still actively pursuing us. It never ends. And I believe that he calls us to do the exact same thing. If Jesus was talking to me, I think he would say, Brendan, pursue others that are far from me and then love them like me. But here's the truth. It is hard to show love to others when you are so passionate and hung up on the things of this world that instead of embracing the different like we see Jesus do, we let different get in the way. And I know this entire message has had political undertones. I know everything in life right now can feel extremely, extremely divided. And I know a lot of people might be upset that I even said what I did say today, but I also know this, that Jesus's ministry was political. It just was. He used language that in his day would have been synonymous with a political statement. And while Jesus regularly talked about his kingdom, which, by the way, was a political word back then, like you could not say kingdom and not know that you were making a political statement, what I need us to remember is his kingdom was not about politics. It was always about people that it was not about being passionate about the kingdoms currently existing right here, right now, and the problems that we have with them. It was about being passionate about the kingdom yet to come that was perfect, one that we couldn't even imagine, but that Jesus promised us. Jesus, he made disciples of men and women who had been fixed on the things of this world and changed their lives to get focused on the things that would last forever. His kingdom, our eternities, And I have to believe he's looking to do the same for us today. So I know this message wasn't easy, or maybe it was for you and that's fantastic. I'm proud of you, good job. (laughs) But boy, was it a necessary reminder for me because I know that I can get distracted of things of this world that ultimately will not matter in light of the people that God loves. People who look and act and vote and believe and raise and treat others differently than I do, but who are also so incredibly loved by God, the same that I am. I want us to stay focused on the things that Jesus wants us to be focused on, like Simon the Zealot had to be, like Matthew the tax collector had to be, not on things that are right here that are temporary, that shift and change with every breeze, but on the things that Jesus cared most about, people. So let me pray for you guys and then hang out just a couple of minutes. I have a couple of last things that I need to talk to you about, Father in heaven. God, the, the world tells us what to be passionate about. We are bombarded every day, God, with, gosh, what it feels like just noise and noise. And God, I just pray that you would keep us focused. I pray that you would keep us passionate about the things that you are passionate about. God, I pray that we would be pursuing people people similar to us, people that we can bring into community with us so that we can pour into one another and grow in our faith. God, I pray that you would help us stay focused on pursuing people different than us, that your gospel is a picture of differences coming together. And God, it's a beautiful thing. And God, I pray that right now you would begin revealing to us the people who are far from you that we get to love like you do. God, help us know how to show that love for them. Help us present a picture of the gospel that is inviting and engaging and makes other people want to join in. And God, I feel like you already have, but keep drawing us closer to you. It's the best thing I could pray for. God, we love you. Pray all this in your name, amen. So a couple of things before you guys head out. At the back of the auditorium on the tables are these you've been prayed for cards. And we actually got an email into the church this week from a staff member at the hospital talking about the intensive care unit, the ICU at the hospital. And they had just mentioned that the nurses, they're, they're all required overtime right now. There's still a lot of patients that they're trying to care for. And they just feel like they're under a lot of stress and pressure at their jobs. And so one of the things that this person had mentioned was um, the last time we had sent You've Been Prayed For cards at the hospital, they'd actually put them up on a wall so that all the staff members could see that there are people who care and are praying for and are supporting those that are working in the healthcare right now. And so if you guys would like to, you can grab one or a few of those cards and just write a quick prayer to our hospital staff that is working around the clock to take care of others. And then you actually don't even have to address it or anything like that. If you just take them and drop them into the giving boxes, we're going to hand deliver all of the you've been prayed for cards to the hospital this week for them. The other thing that I am super excited about that we get to participate in today is communion. Communion is remembering the sacrifice that Jesus paid for us on the cross. The juice in communion represents his blood shed for us, and the the cracker, the wafer, is representative of his body broken for us. Uh, Here at Element, you don't have to be a member to participate in communion. We just ask that you be in a right relationship with God. And so if you would like to take communion after service, uh, the elements are up at the corners of these stages. If you're in a group and you'd like to take it together, uh, the easiest way is to send one person up to grab just a few cups for your group, and then you can go back and take it together as well. I love you guys. Thank you so much for letting me share this with you. Um, I hope you guys have a great week. You can go in peace. If you were encouraged by today's message, be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast or follow us on social media. To learn more about our gathering times in Cheyenne, Wyoming, or to take your next step, visit our website, elementchurch.life. Thanks for tuning in. Catch you next week right here on the Element Church Podcast.